uh, uh, I had, I studied all these farms. I studied haikus and, and uh, uh, villanelles and sustinas and all that. And that's, that was good for me. Yeah. It was good for me structurally. Right. The blues. Right. And then I started going to the blues farm. And then I started thinking about my experience in the church, you know, about how that language worked right. and how the language of the minister and that call and response antiphony yes. between the, the, the congregation and the minister and, and the deacons and everybody in the choir and all that. And I tried to get that into my poetry. Mm-hmm. That, and then later I tried to add jazz and blues and rock and roll and right. all of that and because we are Americans. Yeah. We are Americans culturally. I'm an American culturally. I'm an African American, but I'm American, you know, and so I wanted all that in my poetry, right. in the right. language. Yeah. Welcome to the One Art Poems podcast, the only poetry podcast not seeped in pretension. That was Miles Trope you just heard, speaking about how uh, music, blues music, uh, the black church, the call and response in the black church, influenced his own poetry. Culturally, he's uh, he seeped in uh, blues and rock and roll and church services. Um, which is uh, great for him, but aspiring poets, aspiring uh, writers, aspiring whatever they may be, nerd-do-wills from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, may not be granted the culture that Miles Trope was. What am I, you know? That's the question. The eternal question, I guess we all... We all suffer through. What am I? I eat pierogies, you know. I've been told, eat the pierogies. So I eat them. I eat them on holidays. I eat them uh, from the grocer's freezer. I eat them at bazaars when bazaars were a thing before COVID-19. But pierogies, are they the only essence of uh, my Slovakness, you know, because in the end, in the end, we as uh, we as white people tend to go from place to place and say we're this, we're that, but we're nothing really. Not third generation American, we're nothing. Our roots don't still exist. Uh, they're not as deep as they once were. You're not really half Irish, half German. You're not really half Slovak, half Welsh. In my uh. In my case, yes, you're keeping traditions alive, but but you're you're a third, fourth generation American. Your great uh, cultural influences are Netflix. It's uh, going to it's complaining about large receipts at CVS. It's uh, being weary of your neighbors. That's uh, that's whiteness in America. That's your culture in America. I wonder about the great divine of that and. And how, uh, and how we, and how we, at least here in the Northeast, the coal region of the Northeast, Wilkes-Barre, we certainly need that as a shield. We're certainly innately aware that we need that as a shield. We need to be something beyond white. Even those rootin' tootin' boys that uh, still drive around with the, uh, you know, the South will rise again on the back of their trucks, which makes no sense because the South was not uh, Pennsylvania ever, and Pennsylvania fought in the North in the Civil War, but in Pennsylvania in certain uh, areas, you will have people in pickup trucks that say the South will rise again. 
Rise where? Rise where? It never rose. It stood up and was told to sit back down. <laughs> oh, Lordy. That's a whole other thing. That's just uh, that's just thinking about growing up, thinking about these hicks. Hicks I went to school with, you know? Had toothpicks in their mouths. Spit chew in Mountain Dew bottles. Uh, waxed philosophical on Merle Haggard and... Uh, and their and their pickup trucks. It's a whole uh, there's a whole deafening deafening diseased region of of Pennsylvania, where where I where I come from. Uh, when we come back, a little where Miles Trope came from, his opinions and his poems, and uh, further thoughts. Stay tuned. You know, uh, welcome back. I was just thinking about how uh, my uh, I'm a, I'm an acquaintance with this this fella who puts on a uh, puts on an accent and wears a belt and uh, wears a camo hat and drives a big truck and uh, he is so uh, much aesthetically the uh, the Appalachia uh, <laughs> character caricature can we ever say that word caricature caricature you know what I'm saying. He's so much of that that uh, I almost I almost shit when I heard he ate sushi. You know what I mean? It's like you're not just that. You're also eating sushi. I guess there's dimensions to everybody. You know? I had a friend Father Fine. Um, you know, he was he was very rootin' tootin' himself. Uh, but then he told me about Vino's hoagies, which is a uh, which is a uh, hoagie here in Wilkesbury, where they split the bread in three: tomatoes and lettuce in one compartment, ham, capicol, everything else in the other, or gabagool for my Philadelphia listeners. Gabagool, get to gabagool. One time, this is a true story. I know I'm going all over. We're gonna get to Miles Trope, I swear. But I was in a I was in a deli in philadelphia and i was ordering a a hoagie and i didn't i never had heard capicola be called a gabagool in my life so i'm nervous because if you go into a deli in philadelphia the guy is just in like um like almost like a white paper uh, attire like he's wearing white cotton and the rest of them he's just wearing pieces of paper you know like a paper bib, a paper hat. He's got paper gloves on. <laughs> you know the fella? But you go into these you go into these little havens and uh and uh, you're you're scared out of your mind because you're like, well, maybe he's connected to the mafia. Maybe he's a he's a third generation garbage man who's moonlighting as a deli uh, as a deli worker. And he says something to you like, uh, what do you want? Gabagool, you want the gabagool? And you think to yourself, what? What is he saying? Is that is that gibberish? He sounds like one of the Muppet Babies, you know? Gabagoo, you want Gabagoo? So I just said, sure, uh, put put it all on there. He goes, everything. I said, yeah, put everything on there. Thank you. Gabagool included, you know? So he loads it up with uh, Gabagool, and I'm still so nervous. I'm sweating. I get to the end, and uh, I'm ready to pay. And he says, uh, what do you want, a Sprite? You want a Sprite? So I said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll have the Sprite. 
Uh, not given any options. Maybe he uh, had a had a palette and he knew it paired nice with the Hoag. That's better, right? Talking about hoagie sandwiches, that's better than talking about uh, some kind of oppressed uh, oppressed emotions I have about uh, going to school with uh, with a gaggle of racist. Certainly, Miles Trope, Miles Quincy, Miles Trope. I keep saying Miles Trope. It's Quincy Trope. Holy hell, we're off to a rocky start here, aren't we, folks? Quincy Trope, who's famous for writing the Miles Davis biography, Miles and Me. Uh, Quincy Thomas Trope Jr. is an American poet, editor, journalist, and professor emeritus at the University of California, San Diego, in Linjola, California. He is best known as the biographer of Miles Davis, the jazz musician. You see why I'm getting Miles, uh, Miles like you call him Miles Trope. Trope is the son of baseball catcher Quincy Trope who added the second P to the family name while playing in Mexico to accommodate the Spanish pronunciation, Trupe. As a teenager in 1955, he recalled hearing Miles Davis at a St. Louis, Missouri fish joint, where some fellow's patrons identified the 78 RPM jukebox record as Donna, which was Davis's first recorded composition. The record is most likely to have been the Charlie Parker Quintet Session, recorded for Savoy Records, May 8, 1947. In his book, Miles and Me, he recalls the experience. When I left that joint that afternoon, I felt as though I had undergone a secret initiation, a rite of passage, one that would separate me forever from the rest of the students at Beaumont High School to which I had just transferred. The school was overwhelmingly white, and the students there were squared to the bone. To my way of thinking, hardly anyone had any sense of style. As a young man... Troop was athletic and attended Grambling State University on a basketball scholarship. After his first year, he quit and subsequently joined the United States Army, where he was stationed in France and playing on the Army basketball team. While in France, he had a chance encounter with noted French existentialist philosopher Jean-Paul Seurat, who recommended that Trope try his hand at poetry. Could you imagine? No one's ever uh, told me to do anything. You know, people say to me, oh, my God, you're still writing. And here John Paul Surratt comes up to Troop and he says, uh, you want to try your hand? You know, you should try your hand at poetry. John Paul Surratt. When he returned to civilian life, Troop moved to Los Angeles where he became a regular presence at the Watts Writers Workshop and began working in a more jazz-based style. And you'll hear this when we hear the poem. He actually has, like, always has, like, bongos or a bassist or some sort of jazz uh, music kind of happening as he reads his poetry, which is, it makes for something. He was on a tour with the Watts group when he first began his academic life as a teacher. Uh, he teaches all over, and uh, it was at this point in his life where he became interested in the black power movement, black arts movement, the civil rights movement, and through a troop met many individuals invo involved in other cities, uh, Doing the sort of, same, sort of same thing, including James Baldwin. According to the Poetry Foundation, his work is associated with the black arts movement. Um, through the 70s, Troop lives in New York, teaching at the College of Staten Island. And uh, he's performing on the poetry circuit, performing alone or in groups around the country. In 1985, Spin Magazine hired Troop to write an exclusive two-part interview with Miles Davis, which then leads to the Miles Davis biography, which then led to me, uh, you know... 45 years later, calling Quincy Troop, Miles Troop. Uh, his 
Miles' biography is published in 1998. It wins the American Book Award. Uh, some controversy. He's going to be appointed the California Poet Laureate. Uh, but then a background check sees that he never actually graduated from college because he went to the Army. Uh, so he resigns from that to not embarrass the governor who was appointing him. He moves back to New York City then. Uh, he's also uh, the one who collaborated on The Pursuit of Happiness and uh, gave Will Smith a juicy role, you know. Uh, he currently lives in New York City with his wife, Margaret. So here is his poem, which I think is pretty damn cool. It's uh, called My Fa Poem for My Father. This is live from 2005, and it's Quincy Troop. Father, it was an honor to be there in the dugout with you. The glory of great black men swinging their lives as bats at tiny white balls burning in at unbelievable speeds. Riding up and in and out. A curve breaking down wicked, like a ball falling off a high table, moving away, snaking down, screwing its stitch magic into chitling circuit air. Its camasine spinning toward breakdown, dipping like a hipster, bebopping a knee-deep stride in the Charlie Parker forties, wrist curling like a swan's neck behind a slick black back, cupping an invisible ball of dreams. And you there, father, regal as an African, a boa man, a boa man, a boa man, sculpted out of wood from a sacred tree of no name, no place origin. Big roots branching down into Cherokee and someplace else lost way back in Africa. The sap running dry crossing from North Carolina into Georgia. Inside grandmother Mary's womb, who was your mother and had you there in the bottoms of that red saw. Ink blood of news gone now into blood and bone graves of American blues. Sponging, rococo, sponging, I say sponging, rococo. Truth long gone as dinosaurs, the Agent Orange landscape of former names, absent of African polysyllables. Dry husk continents there now in their place. Names flat as polluted rivers. And that guitar string smile, always sticking, always sticking across some virulent American redneck's face, snorching like atomic heat, like atomic heat, mushrooming over Nagasaki and Hiroshima. The fever blister shadows of it all, inked as body etchings into sizzle concrete. But you there, father, through it all, a yard bird solo, ripping on fat and ball glory, breaking down all fabricated myths of great major league legends. But who was better than who? Beating them at their own crap game with killer bats as Bud Powell swung his silence into beauty of a Josh Gibson home run skittering across piano B keys of bleachers shattering, shattering all manufactured legends of their lights. Struck out, struck out, struck out white knights, struck out white knights on the risky, slippery edge of amazement. Oh, the miraculous truth slipping through, steeped and disguised in the blues. I say confluencing, like the point at the cross when a fastball hides itself up in a shimmying slide of curve, breaking down in a way, in a wicked slide grin, curved and broke down, like the back, like the back of an ass-scratching Uncle Tom, who like old Satchel Page, delivering his fame hesitation bitch, before coming back with a high heart fast one, rising, 
is sometimes slicker, slipping and sliding, and quicker than a professional hitman. The deadliness of it all, the sudden strike, like that of the brown bombers, sharp crossing right, or the hook of Sugar Ray Robinson's lightning cobra bite. And you there, father, through it all, yes, catching rhythms of China Pozo balls, drumming. I say drumming, like Cuban, drumming, 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 like Cuban conga beats into your catches mitt, drumming, like Cuban conga beats into your catches mitt. Hard, I say hard, 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 hard and fast, as cool Papa Bell, jumping in the bear, cool, cool, cool Papa Bell, jumping in the bear, before the lights went out, before the lights went out of the old Negro Baseball League. I promise you are, Daddy, I promise you are, Father, yes, a harbinger shockwave. Harbinger of shockwave, harbinger of shockwave, 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 daddy. Harbinger of shockwave, soon come, shock. Harbinger of shockwave, soon come, soon come, soon come, soon come. How about that, huh? about that that's something i couldn't write that's what i'm talking about uh when you're when your background's just eating pierogies you're not gonna you're not gonna uh you're not gonna get that when you're saying more butter more onion how about 10 more pierogies you're not gonna be able to hit that when we come back a poem by me You know, my plans on this whole uh, episode was to uh, tap into my feelings on jazz and how jazz influenced uh, influenced my own life. And I'm a big fan of jazz music, but I'm uh, I failed you miserably. I realize. I look back. We, I just what was I talking about? Right. Here's my poem. Hello down there. Hello. Hello down there. Can you hear me? It's me. Up here. Oh, God. Hello. Hello down there. Can't you hear me? Can't you see me? Oh, no. I'm a ghost. I've been a ghost for some time, I think. Because I'm sort of used to floating. And sitting up here on a cloud. Hello, hello down there. Remember me? Remember me at all? God, I hope someone remembers me. I'm a ghost. I've been a ghost some time, I think, because I'm sort of used to floating and sitting up here. Oh no, I left the toaster plugged in, my toast inside. I float across a city to see my home in flames. I guess I haven't been a ghost that long. I guess I'm new to being a ghost. I'm so confused. Is this death? That's my poem, Hello. Hello down there. About a ghost who burnt his toast. I should have used that in the freaking poem, Ghost and Toast. That's a sweet rhyme. Okay, all my ghosters who use toasters. <laughs> Until next time, peace and love, peace and love, beef jerky.